a lot of us have prayed for more. I, I remember when, when I'm putting this message together, it reminded me of uh, when we, Jenny and I first got into ministry. I was only about a year old spiritually. I'd been saved about a year, and some crazy pastor hires me and Jenny to be their youth pastors. And so we go to the large metropolis of Tishomingo, Oklahoma, and the first night as youth pastors, we meet in a classroom with 14 students. Every kid that had ever came through the church showed up that night to see the new youth pastors in town. Because towns of 3,000 people don't get new youth pastors very often. So we started with 14 kids. But can I tell you, even in that little white square room, we're talking about what we want to see for youth ministries. A couple of parents trickled in a little bit later. Can you, can you like, all we talked about that night was more. That's all we talked about. We want to see God do more in this youth group. We want to see God do more in this church. And I'll never forget, that church had never ran over about 25 kids at the height of its youth ministry. And I remember one night, we're we're believing for more, so we're trying to do things to, to make opportunities for God. And we had this big outreach that we'd been talking about for weeks and weeks, and we called it Chainsaw Jesus. Yep, because those two go together like bread and butter. You know what I'm saying? And we had, we had built this wall, just a fake wall in our gym and set the whole gym up, about 100 chairs for kids. And we sheetrocked the side of it. And all during the message, I just had spray paint and I would spray paint issues that, they, that people would have, you know, kids would have, things that would keep you away from God, roadblocks that would keep you from growing in your faith, all these different things. But behind the wall that the kids didn't know about, one of my best friends at the time, or one of our youth leaders, who still carries the scar to this day, he was dressed up like Jesus, because that's what you did in the late 90s. And he had a couple of big lights behind him. And on the back of that wall was drawn a big, thick cross. And he had a chainsaw. And so right at the end of my message, I'm just, we're going to pray. We're going to pray that God will deliver people from all these things that I've spray painted on this wall. And while I was praying and the music's getting cranked up and we're getting all into it, all of a sudden you hear, and everybody stopped praying. And I just go, and I'm just grinding on in there. I'm like, come on, Jesus, you know, I believe you for more in our lives. And you, and you, you hear him rev up the chainsaw and the chainsaw go through the wall and it goes about a foot and then it dies. And I was like, okay, uh, how many want to see more? Come on. And I'm just getting everybody, everybody's freaking out. We, we ended up having 94 kids that night. It was our biggest night ever at this little, little church. And started again. And then the third time, it, it died. And then the third time, he finally cut out the entire cross. The lights came on, the sheetrock dust everywhere. And he stepped through it. And I thought people were going to run for the, walk for, run for the doors. These kids that had never, I mean, most of the kids had never been in church. And so I, we kind of calmed everything down, explained the illustration. This is symbolic of what God wants to do in your life to set you free. The cross does that. And we want to pray for it. And Jesus walks off. My buddy walks off. Well, we prayed. It was incredible. We had like 15 kids give their life to Christ that night. It, I mean, that's believing for more, man. That's seeing some incredible stuff happen. And afterwards... I, I said, where's Mark at? He was Jesus. Where's Mark at? And they said, he had to go to the ER. And I was, the ER and a chainsaw. That's all I could think of. What happened? And because it was dark, he had grabbed it in the wrong spot over the top of the exhaust. And when he had held on and started and gunned it, the exhaust was just blowing on his wrist. So by the time I got to the ER, he had a bubble about that big on his wrist where it had burned him. And to this day, that's his chainsaw Jesus scar. He loves it. He loves to tell the story about that. But what, what, I'm, what I'm saying is it, that night was totally not perfect. But can I tell you that every one of our leaders, every one of our parents, everybody that was ducking their head in the night, everybody had been, we'd been talking about 
God doing more in our youth group. We've been praying about God doing more in our youth group. And people would say, well, that's not the way it happens in this church or in this town or with these kids. There's always those kind of people. And we just go, that's all right. We're just believing God for more here. Amen? And, and I want you to understand it's, it, it's like that everywhere we go in every stage of life. When we, when we came to South Point, can I tell you, I, one of the drums that we beat is we want more at South Point. We want to see more lives changed at South Point. We want to see more people make a commitment to let Jesus lead their life at South Point. We want to see more people baptized and take the next step and be baptized at South Point. Can I, can I just tell you something really quick? I love everybody here. I love it. And I know everybody on different levels. I love everybody in both of our services. Can I tell you, I'm not satisfied with y'all. Do you take that the right way? I hope you do. I love you. But can I tell you, this is what we're calling the beginning. That's what we're praying for. You know, we're, we're praying that this room and those kids' rooms and that teenage junior high room back there that are having a junior high service right now, we, we pray that that is overflowing four and five and six times every Sunday. Amen? Like, two's great. I love two services. Look around. We got a bunch of people. It represents a lot of lives and eternity and all of those great things. But this is only about a tenth of what I'm believing for. Amen? I want, I want God to do more at South Point. I'm believing God for more. But here's what I have found. Being in ministry now for over 20 years, what I have found is when you go through life, life sometimes chips away the more part of your faith. I see some head shaking. It, it kind of smooths off the edges, and you still believe. Y'all, like, I believe in Christ. I believe in Jesus. I believe he loves me most of the time. But I don't know about that more thing. Every time I reach out for that man, that somebody gets burned by a chainsaw. You know what I'm saying? I don't know about the more thing. And can I tell you, it's the same way. Here's what's great. As you read through the Bible, it's the same way with everybody. With Moses, most of the time it's even got a name. You know that? With Moses, it was called the Egyptians. Wore down his more in life. With Jonah, God said, I want to do more in your life. And Jonah said, oh, it's the Assyrians. I don't, I don't want to go to Nineveh. Those, those people will like stick stakes in you and hang you out till you dry. Those people skin people. I don't, I don't want that. There may be pain in that. I don't, I don't want more. You know what I'm saying? What with, uh, with Saul, King Saul, before David, King Saul, it was the Philistines. Pain in his behookus. You know what I'm saying? Always. And God wanted to do more in Saul's life. Hey, we, sometimes we give Saul a bad rap, but can I tell you, from the beginning, God wanted to do more in Saul's life? From the beginning. What the disciples even, they ran around with Jesus, they got to see miracles. How many of you have ever said, if I could just see one gigantic miracle, I'd be good for life, Lord? Okay, it's just me. That's all right. I'm, I've said that many times. And, and even with the disciples, they had, they had that little sandpaper of life called the Pharisees. Then they had the, the Sadducees, those religious people that just wore them down. But can I tell you, God wants more in your life. That's what this message is about today. Not a big, deep, theological, understanding information message. This is understanding a principle in life. This is the first thing I want you to write down today. This is what you got you to understand as we all go through it. You have to learn to believe past your past. Because everybody's got one, right? Everybody's got one. 
You have to learn to believe past your past. The things that knock the sharp edges off that, the things that wear you down and stop you for pushing in your faith, for wanting more in your faith. I believe it to this day stronger than I did 20 years ago, that God wants more in your life. And if, and if you don't believe past your past, if you don't choose to do that, then you slow God down in your life. It's not what he wants. And the reason I know you do that, it's, it's an incredible verse. When in Matthew 13, Jesus goes to, back to his hometown and he is preaching and teaching and people are amazed. And then people start saying, well, hey, hold on a minute. This is exactly what it says in the Bible. Isn't that Joseph's son? Like we all know Big Joe, the carpenter. Isn't that Joe's boy? Isn't that Mary's boy? And all of his brothers and sisters, they work like at Walmart and Target and at the quick shop. We know his whole family, right? And he says, I, I don't know, man. This is just an average guy. I don't know if I believe in that. And listen to what it says at, at the end of that verse in Matthew 13, verse 58. Look at this on the screen. And so he did only a few miracles because of their unbelief. Can I tell you that what you believe right here is super important to your life. It's super important to how you live. It, it'll, it'll dictate, whether you believe it or not, it'll dictate what you dream about. It'll dictate what you pray about, what you actually write down. This is what I want to see, Lord, in my life. This is what I want to see in my family's life. It'll dictate what you watch, what you read, who you hang out with, what you really believe will guide everything in your life. No matter what church you go to, what you really believe will do that. And that's why it's important to say today, I don't care about my past. I am going to, because of what God says, I'm gonna believe past my past, amen? I'm gonna believe past the junk in my past. How I was raised, listen, I, I got the story. I, and what's funny is every time I tell one of my BC stories, I have like two or three that come up and go, it's just like that. I, I, we did this in our hometown. We did this in my neighborhood. And so, you know what that tells me is we've all got a past. Everybody in here has got a past. And we have to get in the habit of believing past our past and saying, you know what? I really believe in my heart of hearts that in spite of my life being imperfect, in spite of me being imperfect, that God wants to do more in my life. Amen? Let me tell you, if anybody ever had a reason to not believe it was the Israelites, if anybody ever had a reason to believe, but also not to believe, it was the Israelites. When, 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 one time when they had a, a, a bad season, we'll just call it. You know, one of those bad seasons that you and I have. When we're not as close to God, when we're maybe not doing things we know we should be doing or we're doing things that we know we shouldn't be doing. Some of that season of life. And they noticed that God had backed off. He'd stopped protecting them. The Babylonians, their enemies, next town over, they, or next country over, they came in and captured them and killed a bunch of them, took some of them off for slavery and sold some of them to the next country for slavery. It's a bad season. It's a bad time. But in the middle of that, God has a prophet called Ezekiel. And he takes Ezekiel and he shows Ezekiel an important principle that God has showed us from Moses to Abraham all the way back to Adam and Eve. He showed us through David and, and Solomon. He showed us through Haggai and Deborah, through every character throughout Scripture. God's continually saying, I want you to believe more. 
Because if you'll believe more, I won't just do a few things in your life. I'll do a bunch of things in your life. Listen, listen to what he tells Ezekiel. This, this may be a familiar story to you. We've, we've studied this before. It's in Ezekiel 37. It's called the Valley of Dry Bones. I'm not going to read the whole thing because I've done that before. But I want you to understand this principle in, in a sentence at the end that connects the dots for us to the way God believes about us. He says this, The Lord took hold of me. This is Ezekiel talking. And I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. Probably not a good thing in most of our lives if God takes you to a valley of just dead people. You know, probably not good symbolism. But, but instead of being scared, Ezekiel's along for the ride. He wants to see what God's showing him. This is what he did. He led me around, all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. And they were scattered everywhere across the ground and completely dried out. Then he asked me, big question. Think about this. If God's asking you this, son of man, can these bones become living people again? Let's pause there for just a second before we finish that. I want to ask you, the things that maybe you believed in 20 years ago, the things maybe you believed in right after you became a Christian, the things that you were excited about, the things you thought, man, God's going to do this in me and this in my family. And then life happened and wore you down. You stopped marking in your Bible and you stopped making sticky notes about what you're going to pray about. And you stopped emailing your friends and saying, man, God's doing this in my life. Before those things happened, you know that God is asking you today, do you believe those things can still happen? Do you, do you still believe that I want to do things in your life? Do you believe that God wants more in your life? Listen, listen to what he says. He asked him the question, do you believe these bones can be living people again? And Ezekiel says, oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. A little bit of a cop out by Ezekiel. I don't know if God was looking for that, but listen to how he finishes it out. And then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. So God said, here's what I want you to do. You say you don't know, right? Ezekiel said, I don't know. Only you know, right? Would we all be in that seat? I would be in that seat on many things in my life. I pray for things sometimes, and, but at the end I go, you know, Lord, I don't know if that's really your will. So what I'm going to pray for is your will be done, not mine, right? That's how I round off a lot of things that I ask for, right? Lord, I would like a Lamborghini, but not my will. Your will be done, right? Outfitted with bazookas, but not my will be done. But, but even, even spiritual things in my life. God, I want this now. I want these things, but not my will. Your will be done. You show me. Here we go. Speak a prophetic message. You show me how to pray for these things, God. As I begin to pray over the next couple of days and weeks and months, will you show me, will you lead me by your spirit that's in me? Will you show me how to pray for these things according to your will? Amen? Will you, will you show me the words to say? Will you give me the heart and the desire to start praying for my family again and not doubting that Uncle Ricky can be saved? Right? You understand that? And so he begins, the story goes on, he begins to speak to this valley, standing on the hill, speaks to the valley, and it says the bones begin to rattle. That's probably when Scott would have bolted, but it's all right for the story. The bones begin to rattle. It said the bones then begin to come together as Ezekiel is speaking to it. It's a process happening here. It goes on to say in Ezekiel 37 how connective tissue, tendons and ligaments begin to build up. As he was speaking, organs begin to form. 
and then muscle over it, and then skin. And at the end, God said, now, at the end, everybody say at the end. Goodness gracious. At the end, he said, now I'm going to breathe life into it. Now that you've done what I've said, now that you've spoke to it, now that you've watched it come together through the process, I am going to breathe life into that. And that, that vision that he was having, those dead bones, a few moments later, were living, breathing people. But that's not the important part that we need to get today. Here's the important part that I want you to get. Verse 11, on down, it says this. And then he said to me, son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. That's the catchphrase. These bones represent, at that time, it represented the people of Israel. Listen, they're scattered. There's a bunch of them dead. They're in slavery. They don't even know who I am anymore. It's a story from their great, great, great grandfather. Do you believe that I can bring all these people back together? Do you, do you believe that I can build a nation from these scattered few? Do you believe in what I'm showing you? That's what he's asking me. And all of these things that I'm talking about, they represent the people of Israel. But for us today, here's my question for you, church. What do they represent in your life? If God were to come and take you away today, you take a nap this afternoon and God appears in your dream and you have a dream and you're standing there and you do the same thing. God says, speak to the valley. Speak my word to it. Make these bones come back together. And you start speaking it and God breathes life into it. And you see that in your life. What is that? What, what is that when God says, well, Scott, these bones represent this in your life. They represent the dead dreams that you gave up on in year five after you got saved. Because that church down there, they crucified their pastor. Incredible things that we did in Tishomingo. And you know what? Because our pastor... Still to this day, he's one of my mentors, one of my greatest heroes of the faith. When that was happening, a family got mad at him because of some, somebody wouldn't rent the room to him or something like that. It's incredible. Got mad at him and swore that we're going to run you out of town. Something trivial. God was doing, that church was packed. We were just fixing to go to two services. Our church was packed to the gills. People were getting saved. One of the biggest churches in town. God was doing stuff. And they crucified that pastor, almost ruined him. He was just a kind heart. He wasn't a fighter. I was the one saying, Pastor Keith, you stick around, slick. We'll take care of these. You give me the word, that dude disappears. How about that? I'm just a year in. I can ask for forgiveness, all right? We're right here by Texoma, Swampland. He's just gone, all right? And then I'll wink at the rest of his family, if you know what I mean. And he said, no, that's not how I'm going to handle things, Scott. He said, I'm going to move. I'm, I'm leaving, and I'm going to let God sort this out. And I, we were so mad, so mad. Oh, a year and a half in, and I was saying multiple times a day, this is why I never served God growing up. This right here. Year and a half into being a Christian. This is why. You know what God does? Hey, are you going to keep belly aching about that, Scott, or are you going to still believe for more? Because as long as it involves people, as long as we're involved, it's not going to be perfect. I want you to focus on start believing for more. Believing for more in your life. And can I just tell you something? That, that's one of the hardest habits of my life that I, I force myself to do that. I force myself. Because many times I don't, believe, I, I don't feel like it. That's what I was going to say. I don't feel like it. But I tell myself, you know what? I believe God still wants to do more. I'm here. I'm alive. You're here. You're breathing. God wants to do more in us. 
And that's the last thing I want you to know is, whether you like it or not, I am praying for God to do more in your life. I'm praying and believing for God to do more in your life. About two weeks ago, uh, uh, maybe six months ago, we decided that this series was going to be Believe, like six months ago. And a couple of, three or four weeks ago, I started narrowing it down to five or six messages I wanted to say about this. And can I tell you, God really reignited as I'm walking in here and walking around some, some mornings and praying, you know, we need to pray for more. We need to believe God for more. Not just corporately as a church. That's, that's never going to stop. But for you individually, more in your life. Do you believe that? That God, that God could speak to you through dreams and through visions? Do you believe that? Some of y'all believe it. Do, do you believe that, that God can still speak to family members and, and move situations and circumstances to walk them right back to their faith and get them in a relationship with him? Do you believe God can still save some of your family members? No, not the good ones, the crazy ones. We've, we've all got a cattle truck full of those, right? I, I totally believe that. Totally believe that. And sometimes in those situations, we get, we get torn down and we, we get discouraged. And I'm here to tell you today, just like that valley of dry bones, God is saying, I want to do more in your life. I want to do more in your life. Please begin to pray. Please begin to ask God, God, what do you want to do in my life? Teach me to pray for more in my life, more in my family's life. How about this? How about we just start praying for more in every area of our life? How about your job? Let's just, let's just start praying, Lord, right now, we pray for everybody in this room in their career. Whatever they do for their job, their career during the day, we pray that you would help them to pray for more in that area. Amen? And, and, and more, like in their career. So how about this? How about we pray for more influence, God, in our jobs, in our careers? More influence with our customers and our clients. Amen? More, more influence in, in, in the spiritual life of the people that we deal with, our coworkers and our clients. How about, how about even my bosses? Maybe my bosses that aren't even at my place of business. How about you help me to influence them? Lead from within. God, help me to pray for them. God, help me to lead them. Help me to be a light that they'll follow. You know what I'm saying? And that in every area of our life. Here's what I believe, church. I believe God believes for more in you. I believe he looks at us every day and he says, hey, Moses, hey, Deborah, I got more for you. Hey, Scott, hey, Chris, hey, Sarah, I got more for you. I want to do more in your life. I want to do more in your families. I want to, I want to touch your kids' lives and your grandkids' lives. I want to touch your kids-to-be life. I want to touch your spouse, the people that you're dating. I, I want to be a part of that. I want to do more in your life. One last scripture. Paul in 2 Corinthians, it's the second letter that Paul wrote to this church. And if you've ever read 1 and 2 Corinthians, you know that he's really pushing. He's really pushing, trying to correct some thinking. And at the end of one of the paragraphs that he's writing toward one of the chapters, listen to what Paul says about challenging them to believe and think the way God does. He says this, 1 Corinthians uh, 2.9. It says, no eye has seen what no ear has heard and what no mind has conceived. What am I talking about? He said, the things God has prepared for those who love him. That's what. No eye has ever seen what God's got in store for you and your family. Amen. 
No ear has heard the prayer that God wants to share with you how to pray for your family and your career and your school and your neighborhood. No mind has even conceived the good things that God wants to bestow on you. But here's what's important. It's about believing that. Isn't that crazy that all these miraculous things that Jesus did all over the area and he goes to his hometown and his home village and he couldn't do many miracles. Why? Because they didn't believe. They didn't have the faith for that. And I want to tell you today that if you've come in this place and during this message, maybe you've rolled your eyes and go, well, yeah, that was 10 years ago. Or, or maybe you almost shed a tear and you said, that's exactly what I want. I just don't feel it anymore. Can I tell you, that's exactly why God had me share this message. I pray every week as we, whether we're teaching out of the Old Testament, whether it's something like this, whatever the message is, that God, between this stage and my lips and your ears, that God would change it to exactly what you need and speak into your life. And I believe that God's doing that right here today. If you say, you know what? I want to believe more again. I want to believe that God can do more in my life, first of all, in my life. But he's still going to speak to me. He's still going to nudge me by his spirit. Lead me in my life. Lead me in my marriage. Lead me in my relationships, my career. And I want to pray for you today. Would you mind closing your eyes? With your eyes closed, will you just tell him? Will you just tell him as I'm praying? Will you just say, Lord, that's me. I, I want to believe again. I want to believe for more. Maybe I believe I just, I've left out the more in my prayer for so long. It's just been to sustain. But today I want to believe for more, Lord. Jesus, we love you today. I thank you for your word. I thank you that throughout the entire Bible, we get to see you constantly coming to people and challenging us to believe for more in our life to overcome the problems that come against us instead of giving in to them and letting them wear us down or even joining forces with them, Lord, you challenge us to believe in you in those situations. Moses was scared to go back to the, to the Egyptians, to Egypt, because he knew what he faced, possible jail time, possible death penalty for what he had done, but you challenged him to believe for more, that you were in this that you would watch over him, protect him, guide him. Man, I know we're not Moses, Lord, but every single day we deal with things in our life that it's almost hard for us to comprehend. It's hard for us to articulate and speak it. But I pray for everyone in this room, Lord, that you would revive their belief today, their faith in you, Lord, and what you can do. It's not about us. It's like what Ezekiel said, only you know, Lord, if you will tell us to speak. We'll, we'll pray it. We'll speak it. But we pray from this day forward, God, that circumstances and situations would not wear us down to the place that we stop believing for more. Lord, that from this day on, we're going to believe for more in our relationship with you, that you would show us truth and wisdom, that you would guide us and give us insight and understanding. But God, not just for us, for our families, for, for our friends that we're surrounded by. God, that you would... Give us the words to speak over them, to pray over them and believe that you're going to do amazing things in their lives, that you will break them free from addictions and, and problems that they have in their life so that they can see you. We trust, Lord, and we believe today from this day forward that you're going to do more 
We believe that in our careers, in our schools, in every area of our life. We're praying for more. And with your eyes still closed, I want to say one more prayer for anyone in this room that may not have a relationship with Jesus. You may come in here today and hear this message and go, yeah, but I'm not even a Christian. That's all right. You're in a great place. You're in a place where you can come hang out and just observe, see what we're all about. But I pray after hearing today that today you'd understand that Jesus has more for you. And it all starts with just opening your life and letting him be your savior. The Bible says that he will come into your heart, your your spirit. It's symbolic of him entering your life and leads you. That he'll forgive you of your past and he'll put your feet on the right path. And if that's you today, and you say, Scott, will you remember me in that prayer? When you pray that prayer, just know that I'm making a decision today. If that's you, will you just, while nobody's looking around, just give me a little wave. It lets me know. I'm not going to call you up front or embarrass you or anything like that. I just want to know I'm praying for people in this room. Anyone else? You bet. Awesome. Put your hand right back down. That's, I'm proud of you. That's great. Anyone else? It's a big decision to make. That's fantastic. That makes my day right there. While I pray, just tell him, say, Lord, that's me. I want you to lead my life. I want you to be my savior. Forgive me of my past. Show me my future. Let's do that together. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for loving us. We thank you that your word is eternal and it's for everyone. Jesus, I pray for these that raised their hand today, that are making a decision right now in this room, right there in that chair where they sit, to open their lives and let you come in and cleanse them of their past, forgive them of their sins and mistakes, and set their feet on the right path, the path you've chosen. And today, uh, with them, Lord, I'm believing for more in their life, for more in their life, that you would take them from where they're at right now, God, and that you would begin to guide them and direct them into your will for their life. Jesus, thank you for loving us. Thank you for loving them and bringing them here today, for making a a way for them to come to know you. I pray that you'd show them how much you love them and the promises that you have for them. We love you, Lord. It's in your name that we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen.